0: Chapter 14, Growing Desperate Gum Baby led me back up the winding tunnel. She stopped every so often to examine a branch. Gum Baby never saw this one before. Or a corner. This is new. Or a footprint. Who's been walking in Gum Baby's halls? I was only half paying attention and almost stepped on her when she stopped and scratched her head. Gum Baby don't remember this fork being here. She said. Wait, wait. I looked around. We were at an intersection. Are you lost? Gum Baby don't get lost, boy. She just decides to go somewhere different sometimes. Uh Uh-huh. Got it. It's this way. Gum Baby started marching off down the leftmost path, and I sighed and followed. We walked in silence for a few seconds before she spoke again. Everything's so different what everything her voice was softer and less brash everyone people used to dance and sing and play now they all quiet scared i pursed my lips they said you were gone a year a lot's happened in that time she stopped at another intersection listened and looked both ways before moving forward I could hear faint voices now and Gumbaby seemed more confident in where she was going. She glanced up at me and shook her head. Gumbaby wasn't gone no whole year. She left yesterday. It doesn't make no sense. Something savory wafted up the hallway and my stomach rumbled. We rounded a curve and entered a large room crowded with midfolk. Long picnic-style benches stretched in rows from end to end with a small aisle in the middle so people could walk up to the circular cooking station in the front. Gumbaby stopped. See what I mean? They look so... sad. I finished. A line curled around the room and people and animals shuffled forward. Nobody spoke and all eyes were fixed squarely on the floor. A baby cried and was quickly shushed children sat in groups some wolfing down their food and others listlessly picking at it we got in line and gumbaby scrambled up onto my shoulder gumbaby don't know anybody in here she said in frustration all these new faces refugees i guessed from around midpass but those ain't midpass clothes she pointed to a little boy who was draping his beaded cloak around his even little sister "'as she clung to his shoulder. "'The boy offered her a drink of water from a tall jug, "'but she batted it away and buried her face in his chest. "'Gum Baby,' I said slowly, "'did you see anything weird when you fell into the burning sea? "'Flaming death? "'Well, yes, but anything else? "'Did you see a shadow in a room?' "'Gum Baby shook her head. "'Nope. Why?' The haint's cackling laughter echoed in my ears again, along with his warning. Don't you tell a soul, boy. Just wondering. She patted my cheek and went back to looking for anyone she might know while I grimaced and wiped off her sticky residue and wrestled with secrets. The haint had fallen through the tear too. I knew that now, the presence in the bottle tree forest, the shadow that had seeped out of the bottle, the weird conversation with Uncle C, each encounter had involved the same evil aura that lingered like a bad aftertaste, or that weird smell in my gym bag. And Now he was lurking somewhere out there, doing God knew what with Eddie's journal. He had seemed eager to possess it, and now he did, as much as it pained me to admit that. I had to get it back. But how? I stared at my hands, then flexed my fingers. Apparently butterflies were at my beck and call, so maybe... Stew? The question startled me, and I blinked. I'm sorry? The girl, manning the cook pot, sneered. Do you want stew or not? Oh, uh, yes, please. Bread? Yes, please. She handed me a rough clay bowl full of steaming vegetables, seasoned rice, and a crusty chunk of bread, and I thanked her and moved on. I found a seat near the back of the room at the edge of a table and sat down next to a family of midfolk with four children, each of them staring at me. They really stared when Gumbaby hopped off my shoulder and stuck her face into my food. The little terror even had the nerve to hum to herself while she scarfed my meal. I ate from the inso- other side of the bowl. The vegetables, onions and celeries and something that resembled a purple carrot were spicy and made my eyes water. It was also delicious. I devoured it, dipping the steaming bread in the remains to sop up every trace. Dang, Bumble Tongue, you were hungry, weren't you? Gum Baby wanted your bread, too. Now she's got to get up and go ask for some more. you just selfish. Gum baby walked down the table, scrounging for leftovers. I looked around. Everyone was watching me, and my face got so hot with embarrassment my cheeks could have started a fire. One of the younger kids snickered before sh- being shushed by his older sister, who looked to be around my age. She smiled apologetically. Sorry, I know how it is. You don't realize how hungry you are until you sit down in front of food. Yeah, I studied the bowl eyed the piece of onion in the bottom and decided against slurping it up. My name's Netta. Tristan. You just got here, she asked. One of her siblings climbed into her lap and she began to rock him automatically. Yeah, well, yesterday. Apparently I slept for a while. At the mention of sleep, a yawn forced its way out and I blinked in surprise. Netta grinned. Beds are too comfortable after nights spent on the soggy drowned forest floor yeah, I guess. Sorry for all the questions. It's just not a lot of kids our age make it to the thicket. I looked up, confused. Netta shrugged and nodded at the crowd. You didn't notice? Look around. Those iron monsters seem to prefer us older kids for some reason. Nobody knows why. I scanned the room. She was right. All the kids, apart from a few like Neta and myself, were younger. "'Children who, back in Chicago, would be in kindergarten. "'Why?' I felt sick to my stomach. "'I've been waiting for you,' Uncle C had said. "'Netta frowned. You okay? You don't look so good.' "'I got up, jostling the table in my rush. "'Sorry, I—I I gotta go.' "'I hurried through the jam-packed chamber, "'mumbling apologies as I squeezed through "'until I reached a clear space against the wall "'and bent over, my hands on my knees.' All those people, all those families, ripped apart and hounded through the forest just because of me. That haint had been hunting midfolk, somehow working with the maffa, whatever that was, and sending iron monsters searching for me, but taking every one they captured and... I felt like I was going to vomit everything I'd just eaten. How soon before everyone made the connection? How soon before they figured out it was all my fault? I sank to the floor and laid my head on top of my crossed arms. A wave of exhaustion swept over me. I just wanted to sleep and wake up and the nightmare would be over. I'd be back in Chicago. Eddie would be knocking on the apartment door and everything would be back to normal. I just wanted to sleep. Sleep. Darkness. Two torches burned on either side of me, barely illuminating a long, damp corridor. The kind of space you walk away from, not into. "'But I couldn't walk away. Something wouldn't let me. One foot moved, then the other, and I stepped into the gloom. As I walked, the torches floated alongside me, and faces appeared in their dim light. People and animals looked out at me from inside the semi-transparent walls, their horrified expressions lining each side of the hallway like twisted portraits.' Manacles held them in place, and their mouths moved, but nothing came out. I passed two or three before I came to one I recognized. Brer Fox? I tried to stop, but my feet wouldn't obey my commands, and I kept walking. When I looked back, his silver muzzle moved as he tried to respond. Brer Fox! I yelled. He was alive. There was still a chance to save him. This thought dominated my mind so thoroughly that I didn't notice when the darkness began to lighten. Water dripped and things scurried past my feet as I trudged down the hall. Whispers echoed and I heard a nasty laugh. Just when I thought I'd be marching forever, a door emerged out of the darkness. I wanted to turn around, but my hand moved on its own and I couldn't stop it from pushing the door open. My feet took me through. "'Hey now, hey now, look who it is. Where have you been, Tristan?' The shadow from before, the one I had seen when I was falling through the hole, stood in front of me. It had a form now, a body. I could see it outlined, though only in parts, as if someone had just started drawing a monster with ink and anger. A single eye blinked open, and the haint smiled, showing a row of perfect white teeth. You ain't avoiding old Uncle C, are you? Something dropped out of the shadow, something I couldn't make out completely, but it looked like a flower with fuzzy white petals. It immediately withered in the darkness. What do you want? I whispered. You ain't been square with me, Tristan, the shadow sounded sad, betrayed, like I'd stolen a dollar from it. Nah, you ain't been square at all. After I saved you, this is how you treat me? A lantern flared to life, and I saw more shriveled flowers on the ground. Next to it was a book full of warped pages with a water-stained leather cover. Eddie's journal! Somehow, someone had put it back together. I squeezed my fist so hard my fingernails bit into my palms. That's mine! The shadow's edges hardened, and just for a second I thought I saw a full face glaring at me, one-eyed and scowling. This ain't what I thought it was, but you knew that. Where's the magic? I can't do nothing with this mess. I should burn this piece of trash. No, I shouted. Well, then you should have been square with me. I shook my head. I don't know what you're talking about. But as I said that, the story seen from the thicket glade popped into my mind. The lantern flared again and the smell of old rot nearly choked me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You made a fool out of me. But I'm a kind uncle. Yes, I am. You know what I need and you're going to get it for me. I want that spider's power and you're going to bring it to me. Or I'll light this wad of toilet paper on fire and come find you. And when I do find you, I'm going to put an end to everything and everybody, who ever helped you or looked at you or even thought nice things about you. I'll bury them all. The lantern flickered as the haint spat out. You hear me? I will come find you. The words punched me in my chest, and suddenly I was flying backward, yanked by an invisible string through the door and down the hallway until I was abruptly dumped at the entrance. Get me Anansi's power, boy, or this journal of yours and everything else is kindling. The threat followed me, Or maybe it was burned into my head. I had control of my body again, but as I turned, another voice stopped me in the darkness. Hey, Nimrod, you're talking to the wrong one. The breath left my lungs and I whirled around. I recognized that voice. I just never expected to hear it again. Eddie? You're talking to the wrong one. Eddie, where are you? He didn't answer, though. My best friend's voice just kept repeating that phrase, and I gripped my skull as panic and confusion and helplessness pulled me in 17 different directions. Eddie! Nothing.